Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, September 19th. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph and Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse? Truly Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Alev Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Alev Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, Doorway to the Alev Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Alev Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Nitzavim, and it means, You are standing. Deuteronomy 29, 21-29 And later generations will ask, the children who succeed you and foreigners who come from distant lands and see the plagues and diseases that Hashem has inflicted upon that land, all its soil devastated by sulfur and salt, beyond sowing and producing, so no grass growing in it, just like the upheaval of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zebuim, which Hashem overthrew in his fierce anger. All nations will ask, why did Hashem do thus to this land? Wherefore that awful wrath? They will be told, because they forsook the covenant that Hashem, God of their fathers, made with them when he freed them from the land of Egypt. They turned to the service of other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not experienced and whom he had not allotted to them. So Hashem, 
was incensed at that land and brought upon it all the curses recorded in this book. Hashem uprooted them from their soil in anger, fury, and great wrath, and cast them into another land, as is still the case. Concealed acts concern Hashem our God, but with overt acts it is for us and our children ever to apply all the provisions of this teaching. Isaiah 30, 12-33-9 Assuredly, thus said the Holy One of Israel, Because you have rejected this word, and have put your trust and reliance in that which is fraudulent and tortuous, of a surety, this iniquity shall work on you like a spreading breach that occurs in a lofty wall, whose crash comes sudden and swift. It is smashed as one smashes an earthen jug, ruthlessly shattered, so that no shared shard is left in its breakage. To scoop coals from a brazier, or ladle water from a puddle. For thus said my God, the Holy One of Israel, You shall triumph by stillness and quiet. Your victory shall come about through calm and confidence. But you refused. No, you declared, we shall flee on steeds. Therefore you shall flee. We shall ride on swift mounts. Therefore your pursuers shall prove swift. One thousand before the shout of one, you shall flee at the shout of five, till what is left of you is like a mast on a hilltop, like a pole upon a mountain. Truly Hashem is waiting to show you grace. Truly He will arise to pardon you. For Hashem is a God of justice. Happy are all who wait for Him. Indeed, O people in Zion, dwellers of Jerusalem, you shall not have cause to weep. He will grant you His favor at the sound of your cry. He will respond as soon as He hears it. My Lord will provide for you meager bread and scant water. Then your guide will no more be ignored, but your eyes will watch your guide. And whenever you deviate to the right or to the left, your ears will heed the command from behind you. This is the road. Follow it. And you will treat as unclean the silver overlay of your images and the golden plating of your idols. You will cast them away like a menstruous woman, Out, you will call to them. So rain shall be provided for the seed with which you sow the ground, and the bread that the ground brings forth shall be rich and fat. Your livestock in that day shall graze in broad pastures. As for the cattle and the donkeys that till the soil, they shall partake of salted fodder that has been winnowed with shovel and fan. And on every high mountain and on every lofty hill there shall appear brooks and watercourses on a day of heavy slaughter when towers topple. And the light of the moon shall become like the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall become sevenfold, like the light of the seven days when Hashem binds up His people's wounds and heals the injuries it has suffered. 
Behold, Hashem himself comes afar in blazing wrath, with a heavy burden, his lips full of fury, his tongue like devouring fire, and his breath like a raging torrent, reaching halfway up the neck, to set a misguiding yoke upon nations and a misleading bridle upon the jaws of peoples. For you there shall be singing as on a night when a festival is hallowed. There shall be rejoicing as when they march with flute, with timbrels, and with lyres, to the rock of Israel on the mount of Hashem. For Hashem will make his majestic voice heard and display the sweep of his arm in raging wrath, in a devouring blaze of fire, in tempest and rainstorm and hailstones. Truly Assyria who beats with the rod shall be cowed by the voice of Hashem. And each time the appointed staff passes by, Hashem will bring down his arm upon him and will do battle with him as he waves it. The Topheth has long been ready for him. He too is destined for Melech. His fire pit has been made both wide and deep, with plenty of fire and firewood and with the breath of Hashem burning in it like a stream of sulfur. Ha! Those who go down to Egypt for help and rely upon horses, they have put their trust in abundance of chariots, in vast numbers of riders, and they have not turned to the Holy One of Israel. They have not sought Hashem. But he too is wise. He has brought on misfortune and has not canceled his word. So he shall rise against the house of evildoers and the allies of the workers of iniquity. For the Egyptians are man, not Hashem, and their horses are flesh, not spirit. And when Hashem stretches out his arm, the helper shall trip, and the helped one shall fall, and both shall perish together. For thus Hashem has said to me, As a lion, a great beast, growls over its prey, And when the shepherds gather in force against him, is not dismayed by their cries nor cowed by their noise, so the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Saviot, will descend to make war against the mount and the hill of Zion. Like the birds that fly, even so will the Lord of hosts shield Jerusalem, shielding and saving, protecting and rescuing. Return, O children of Israel, to him to whom they have been so shamefully false. For in that day everyone will reject his idols of silver and idols of gold, which your hands have made for your guilt. Then Assyria shall fall, not by the sword of man. A sword not of humans shall devour him. He shall shrivel before the sword, and his young men pine away. His rock shall melt with terror, and his officers shall collapse from weakness, declares Hashem, who has a fire in Zion, who has an oven in Jerusalem. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and ministers shall govern with justice. Every one of them shall be like a refuge from gales, a shelter from rainstorms, like brooks of water in a desert, like the shade of a massive rock in a languishing land. 
Then the eyes of those who have sight shall not be sealed, and the ears of those who have been hearing shall listen. And the minds of the thoughtless shall attend and note, and the tongues of mumblers shall speak with fluent eloquence. No more shall a villain be called noble, nor shall gentlemen be said of a knave. For the villain speaks villainy and plots treachery, to act impiously and to preach disloyalty against Hashem, to leave the hungry unsatisfied and deprive the thirsty of drink. As for the knave, his tools are knavish. He forges plots to destroy the poor with falsehoods and the needy when they plead their cause. But the noble has noble intentions and is constant in noble acts. You carefree women, attend, hear my words. You confident ladies, give ear to my speech. In little more than a year you shall be troubled, O confident ones. When the vintage is over, and no ingathering takes place. Tremble, you carefree ones. Quake, O confident ones. Strip yourselves naked. Put the cloth about your loins. Lament upon the breasts. For the pleasant fields, for the spreading grapevines, for my people's soil, it shall be overgrown with briars and thistles. I and for all the houses of delight, for the city of mirth. For the castle shall be abandoned, the noisy city forsaken. Citadel and tower shall become bare places forever, a stamping ground for wild donkeys, a pasture for flocks, till a spirit from on high is poured out on us, and wilderness is transformed into farmland, while farmland rates as mere brush. Then justice shall abide in the wilderness, and righteousness shall dwell on the farmland. For the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness calm and confidence forever. Then my people shall dwell in peaceful homes, in secure dwellings, in untroubled places of rest. And the brush shall sink and vanish, even as the city is laid low. Happy shall you be who sow by all waters, who send out cattle and donkeys to pasture. Ha! You ravager who are not ravaged. You betrayer who have not been betrayed. When you have done ravaging, you shall be ravaged. When you have finished betraying, you shall be betrayed. Hashem, be gracious to us. It is to you we have looked. Be their arm every morning, also our deliverance in time of stress. At your roaring people have fled, before your majesty nations have scattered, and spoil was gathered as locusts are gathered. It was amassed as grasshoppers are amassed. Hashem is exalted, he dwells on high. He filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Faithfulness to your charge was her wealth, wisdom and devotion her triumph, reverence for Hashem, that was her treasure. Hark! The Aerolites cry aloud, Shalom's messengers weep bitterly. Highways are desolate, wayfarers have ceased, a covenant has been renounced, cities rejected, mortal man despised. The land is wilted and withered. Lebanon disgraced 
and moldering. Sharon is become like a desert, and Bashan and Carmel are stripped bare. Galatians 5, 1-12 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Yeshua has made us believers free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect to you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Yeshua neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion comes not of him that calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you be that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross seized. I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. Psalm 63, 1-11 O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you on a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see your power and your glory so as I have seen you in the sanctuary. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. My soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Proverbs 23.22 Hearken unto your father that begat you, and despise not your mother when she is old. I'd like to speak to you today from our reading from Isaiah chapter 30 to 33, and then we're going to dive into Galatians. And in Isaiah chapter 30, the Lord is rebuking and correcting his people because they have rejected him, they have rejected his word, 
and they have turned to the idols. And so as we read these chapters, it's talking about the northern kingdom that is going to be going into exile and captivity to Assyria, but it also is future prophetic. Remember, biblical history is prophecy. The historical events that happened to our forefathers literally happened, but they're also a prophetic blueprint for the end of days, for the final generation before Yeshua returns. So in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 12, it is written, Assuredly, thus said the Holy One of Israel, because you have rejected this word and have put your trust and reliance in what is fraudulent and tortuous, of a surety this iniquity shall work on you like a spreading breach that occurs in a lofty wall whose crash comes sudden and swift. In verse 15, the Lord is pleading with them and imploring them to do the following. Verse 15, For thus said my God, the Holy One of Israel, You shall triumph by stillness and quiet. Your victory shall come about through calm and confidence. But you refused. Jumping down to verse 18, Truly Hashem is waiting to show you grace. Truly, He will arise to pardon you. For Hashem is a God of justice. Happy are all who wait for Him. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Despite the fate of Ashdod ten years earlier, abandoned by Egypt to destruction by Assyria, there were still those in Judah who felt that an alliance with Pharaoh would be the best defense against the Assyrians. Isaiah describes a delegation that traveled southwards through the Negev desert with donkeys bearing treasures in hopes of buying Egyptian loyalty. Hashem expresses his frustration with Israel for continuing their rebellious practices, placing their trust in others and not in him. However, Isaiah states, divine patience was not yet exhausted. If they would cry out to Hashem, verse 19, and abolish idolatry entirely, verse 22, he would be gracious to his people. This is an important message for mankind. Hashem is a God of patience and forgiveness. Though people sin and turn their backs on him, he is always waiting for them to correct their ways so that he can be gracious to them and have compassion on them. So, continuing on in this same chapter, now we're going to be looking at a verse that's future prophetic. And so, let's look at verse 30, chapter 30, verse 30. For Hashem will make his majestic voice heard and display the sweep of his arm in raging wrath in a devouring blaze of fire, in tempest, and rainstorm, and hailstones. Now this is, I believe, connected to another passage in Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel 38 is describing the Gog-Magog War, and a coalition of nations from the north come against Israel, come marching into their land to destroy it and to overtake it. And Israel is absolutely defenseless. 
and they are outnumbered, outpowered, outgunned in every way. And it looks impossible. And then God himself enters into the battle. And let's just look at it. Ezekiel chapter 38, 21 and 22. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. So it's using the same kind of language as what we just read from Isaiah 30, verse 30 that he's going to display the sweep of his arm in wrath and in a devouring blaze of fire, tempest, rainstorm, and hailstorms. So I do believe that this passage here is referring, it's a reference to the future Gog-Magog war. And then in chapter 31, we see a similar Ramez hint about this future Gog-Magog war. Again, this coalition of nations from the north, their crown prize is Jerusalem. They do want spoil. They very much want probably the natural gas that Israel has, and they want land and resources and spoil, but their ultimate prize is Jerusalem itself. And in chapter 31, verse 4, it is written, For thus Hashem has said to me, As a lion, a great beast, growls over its prey, and when the shepherds gather in force against him, is not dismayed by their cries, nor cowed by their noise, so the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Saviot, will descend to make war against the mount and the hill of Zion. Like the birds that fly, even so will the Lord of hosts shield Jerusalem, shielding and saving, protecting and rescuing. But the big warning is that in that future time when these nations come against Israel, they are not to look to Egypt. They're not to look to others for help. They're not to look to the United States. They're to look to the God of Israel. They're to look to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're to look up to the Father. They must not put their trust in their IDF army, in their arms, in their rockets, in their missiles, in their bombs. They need to turn to the Holy One of Israel and seek Hashem, to seek the Lord. And in Joel chapter 2 and 3, it talks, I believe this is yet another description of the Gog-Magog war. And in Joel, I believe it's chapter 3, talks about calling for a holy fast, a sacred assembly, a gathering, to pray, to repent, and to seek the God of Israel, to ask him for deliverance, for him to save them and rescue them. And that is the proper response. Continuing on in chapter 31, Chapter 31, verse 9, His rock shall melt with terror, and his officers shall collapse from weakness, declares Hashem, who has a fire in Zion, who has an oven in Jerusalem. In the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. In Hebrew, the word shuv means both repent and return. Isaiah begs the people to repent and return to Hashem. 
If they do so, he promises, Assyria will fall before God, whom the prophet describes as both a fire in Hebrew and an oven. While both metaphors involve fire, there is an important difference between a fire and an oven. The metaphor of fire describes Hashem burning and destroying the Assyrian enemy. But in the metaphor of the oven, the same fire is a source of heat and comfort, thus reminding us that our actions determine whether Hashem relates to us as a fire of destruction or a helpful oven. So now let's go to chapter 33 and look at verse 5. Hashem is exalted. He dwells on high. Of old he filled Zion with justice and righteousness. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The last word of this verse is Zedekah. In Hebrew, this word is used to mean both charity and justice. While in English these concepts are very different, the Hebrew word teaches that the act of giving to those who are less fortunate is not to be seen primarily as benevolence or kindness. Rather, it is an act of justice and righteousness which fulfills a duty expected of everyone, both rich and poor. Now I want to jump into Galatians with you. And in Galatians chapter 5 today, Paul is continuing to expound upon how we are to walk. And he is coming against those primarily Pharisees, who would have new believers convert to Judaism and follow the oral law and the traditions of man, and that somehow through obedience to the Torah, that that is how they get their salvation. So in chapter 5, verse 4, he says it pretty plain and clear in black and white, Christ is become of no effect to you, whosoever of you are justified by the law or the Torah. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And he goes on to say, You did run well, but who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? In other words, you began your race in faith, believing upon Yeshua to save you and to bring righteousness to you, and that his Holy Spirit now dwells in you. But now you've gone back to works of the flesh. So what I want to do now is pull together some verses about um, being under the law or under the Torah versus under grace uh, or being in faith. And so as we pull these verses, uh, we're going to pull out some concepts, some conclusions about what what is Paul talking to us about. Um, he doesn't want the people to be under the law, but he wants them to be under grace and in faith. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, Now we know that what things soever the law or the Torah says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. So this is telling us what the purpose of the Torah is. It shows us our sin. 
It reveals to us our sin. It shows us our need for a Savior, that we fall short. We all fall short. So the Torah is not bad or evil. It is good. The law is good, and its purpose is to show us our sin. Romans 6, verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So, again, the law, the purpose of the law is to be our tutor, our school teacher, to lead us to Christ, to lead us to faith in him. Romans chapter 6, verse 15, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Paul is not saying that we should become lawless or Torahless or disregard the law. And then verse 15, or 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. So he has a heart of evangelism. So if he's going to be ministering to and preaching to the Jewish people, he's going to go ahead and follow the oral law and do the ritual hand washing and um, follow the customs that they have followed of the oral law and the traditions and the Talmud so he can reach them with the message of Christ, of faith in the Messiah. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 21, to them that are without the Torah or the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. So in other words, if he's ministering to Gentiles, to people who don't follow the Torah, then he will fit right into their world and sit with them and have table fellowship with them so he can again reach them with the message of Christ. Now let's review some verses from Galatians as we've been going through this book. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which would afterwards be revealed. So in other words, he's talking about how the, the law, the Torah, was our task, our teacher, our tutor, to lead us to Christ. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So remember the picture of Mount Zion versus Mount Sinai, and we have the children of Hagar, its works of the law, works of the flesh. And then they fail. And if you're at Mount Zion, you're the ch- you're of the dis- child of promise, the miracle child of Isaac. You're a descendant of Isaac, and it's a faith walk. You walk in faith, and then you're under the Spirit, not under the law, under the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21, Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Okay, so we have a contrast, being under the law versus being led by the Spirit, or being under the law versus walking in faith and being in grace. And the, the contrast between being a descendant of Hagar, standing at Mount Sinai, trying to follow and obey the law for your for your salvation, thinking that obeying the Torah is going to give you your salvation and is going to give you your righteousness, versus standing at Mount Zion, a descendant of Isaac, the miracle baby, walking in faith and being led by the Holy Spirit, and that that is the source of your righteousness, that is the source of your salvation. It can also be compared and contrasted to a marriage. It's a covenant. The first covenant was given at Mount Sinai, and uh, it was a marriage covenant. And because the people's hearts were stony hard, hardened hearts of stone, they broke that covenant and they committed adultery when they built the golden calf. And so that first marriage was basically annulled. There was a divorce. God tossed them out of the land and and they went into exile. But now we have a second, a new, not a renewed covenant, but a new covenant, a new marriage covenant, where we're invited to marry not Mr. Law, but Mr. Christ. We're invited to marry Yeshua and to be in this new covenant. And that the, the Torah, the word of God, is now written upon our heart. And our heart is, instead of it being a heart of stone, it is now a heart of flesh. So now the Torah, the word, is being written upon our heart. And instead of being married to Mr. Law, we're now married or betrothed to Mr. Christ, to Yeshua. So we're not to be under the law. The law does not give us our righteousness. Following the Torah does not give us our salvation. We're to be in Christ. We're to be born again. We're to have his spirit dwelling within us. And we walk in faith, trusting in Yeshua for our salvation, trusting in Yeshua for our redemption and our righteousness, and allowing the Holy Spirit who dwells within us to help us to walk a holy life. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevrekka Adonai Vish Mrekka Yaya Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.